Cornerstone, how you doing? Man, super glad you're here. I just want to welcome everybody that's watching online, everybody over at our Scottsdale campus. Today is the final day uh, in our series called Spoiler Alert. Uh, we called it Spoiler Alert because if you read your Bible to the end, you figure out no matter how bad it gets, you and I win in the end. It's just the most incredible, amazing news ever. It's totally cool that you and I are finishing, spoiler alert, on Super Bowl Sunday. No, no, no. Let me see if I can explain this. Uh, if you've been around, you know we talked about that right now is the church age. And the idea of the church is, is that God said, hey, look, I, I want you to be my advocates in the world. I want people to see you and want me. I, I want them to see that your family is different than their family. Your marriage is different than their marriage. Your kids are different than their kids. When you struggle and go through hard times, you, you do it with a sense of hope that the world doesn't know and that the world would say, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I just know that Jesus followers have something I don't have and they'd be attracted to the conversation and they'd come and learn about him and then accept him into their lives. That's the plan. You and I are plan A for God here on earth. We said that this period of time that you and I live in right now doesn't go on forever. A thing called the rapture happens. Uh, the rapture is a moment when Jesus comes back and meets us in the clouds. Everybody who is a Christian in that moment is instantaneously caught out of this world. Matter of fact, the word rapture just means caught up. And every single believer in that moment will instantly vanish and be gone. And then begins a period of time called the tribulation. Seven years that for all intents and purposes are a spanking. Uh, it's just God saying, look, I, I've, I've been kind and gracious. I've been patient with you. It's not working. And now time is running out and I've got to get your attention. And I'm telling you that every parent who's ever dealt with a highly rebellious teen has gone through this process. Hey, I've been good. I've been kind. I've been patient, but I've got to get your attention. And so it's a time of discipline for the world. This period of time, the seven years, comes to the end with the second coming of Jesus. This is the second coming because it's the second time he comes to earth. Remember, in the rapture, he doesn't actually come. He meets us in the clouds. But at the second coming, he actually physically comes back to the earth. And if you were here, you remember we talked about at the end of the tribulation, uh, all of the world governments have turned upon one another. They've actually even turned upon Antichrist. They said this thing is going the wrong way really, really fast. They all go to war to try to seize power in the world. It's a thing we call the Battle of Armageddon. Here's the ironic moment. In the midst of the Battle of Armageddon, with all the armies of the earth fighting each other, when they see Jesus, they decide he's a bigger threat. And they actually turn their tanks. They turn their missiles toward him doesn't work, but they turn it toward him. You and I now are going to go and study the next thing that happens here. 
And as we do that, here's why this plays into the Super Bowl. The church is the regular season. Are you following me right now? You're there, all right. The tribulation is the playoffs. And what we're gonna study today is the Super Bowl. Okay, so spoiler alert, Rams are gonna win. Just saying. There's some people in the audience right now going, that dude cannot be my pastor. I'm, I'm done. That was it. He's following Satan. All right, so, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, what happens next? What happens after the tribulation? We're gonna unpack that together. Here's what you need to know. What we're about to dig into maybe some of the most confusing part of scripture for me. Not confusing because I don't understand it. Confusing because I don't understand why God allows it. Why does God let that happen? Here we go. Let's grab our Bibles. You go with me. You see, you see if you think the same thing I think uh, when we read about it. This next period of time uh, that's gonna happen uh, is called the millennium. Millie, Millie meaning thousand, Anna meaning year. Thousand year reign of Jesus, okay? So here we go, it's the thousand year reign of Jesus. So right after the tribulation, right after the second coming, Jesus reigns on this earth for a thousand years. It's described in Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse one. Here's what it says. And I saw an angel come down out of heaven, having the key of the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and he locked and he sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or the image nor received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Verse seven, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather, to gather them for battle. In number, they will be like the sand of the seashore. They will march across the breadth of the earth and surround the camp of God's people, the city that he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake, the burning, lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever. So get what we just, says there's gonna be this period of time where Jesus will physically come and reign on earth. Uh, this is where the passages say, and the lion will lay down with the lamb. Sin will be removed, people will be living, and during this period of time, it'll be the people who lived through the tribulation will now live in the millennium. Remember we said when Jesus comes back, 
he destroys everybody who has stood against him. Everybody who took the mark of the beast, everyone who fell at Antichrist, they'll all be taken away. But there will be people who believed on Jesus during the tribulation. They've made it to the end, and now they will begin to live in the millennium. They'll marry and have families and children all through the thousand years. And then it says, Satan is released from his pit. And I'm just, why? Why? You've already got the dude locked up. Leave him there. And then if that's not enough, the Bible says that millions, millions of the people living in the millennium who had the privilege of seeing Jesus in person. I mean, think about this. How many times have you thought to yourself, boy, it'd be so cool if Jesus just made his home at the Capitol building. When you had a question, you could go ask him, right? Or what if when I needed to know what to do next in life, that Jesus would just be there in person and tell me what to do next? And yet these people living in the presence of Jesus, I mean, see, they know he's real. Millions of them will are in prevailing. And I'm just telling you, for me, this is some of the most confusing, I don't know, why? And I don't understand. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, take my, I'm gonna take my best stab at it and then we're gonna get to heaven and God's gonna tell you I was wrong, okay? But we're gonna, I'm gonna do my best at this thing. So the first part is, why does Satan get a second chance? I mean, why is he in, in, in chains for a thousand years and then God releases him? I don't think it's about giving Satan a second chance. I think it's about giving us every chance. Let me see if I can explain that. If you go back over time and if you start in Genesis, start reading your Bible, what you're gonna discover real quickly is that God has shifted. God has used uh, different styles, different tactics to try to win the hearts of men and women. So when you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God said, here's how we're gonna do this. Here's how you're gonna know about God. Uh, it's gonna be family. Your parents are gonna raise you up. They're gonna tell you what you need to know about me. And then when you grow up and your parents yourself, you're gonna tell your children what they need to know about me. That's how we're gonna do this thing so that everybody will know about me. The problem was there were unfaithful parents and they didn't continue the story. So God said, okay, I'll do what we're gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna choose a nation. And I'm gonna, through that nation, give all sorts of blessing. People are gonna see how different it is to follow me and not follow the false gods. That's how people are gonna discover me because they're gonna see the goodness to the nation. And the problem was Israel was unfaithful. So they didn't always get those blessings and people often didn't see. Then God said, oh, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. I'll give Israel judges. I'll, give, I'll, I'll raise up leaders for, gener for certain generations that when my people get off track, <clears throat> the judge will stand up and say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how we're supposed to live. That's not what we should be doing. And, and the judge will help them get back on the path. And the judges didn't work. So God said, okay, we'll, we'll do kings. Uh, I'll give them kings and actually now they'll be responsible. The government will be responsible to tell people about me and who I am. The kings are to lead the people toward me. But the kings were unfaithful. He said, all right, here's what we'll do. Uh, we'll do prophets. <laughs> okay, we'll do prophets. And, 
and the prophets will be, have anointing for me. They'll do miracles. People will know that they're mine. That's how we'll help people discover me. And the prophets failed. So God said, okay, we're, we're gonna do the church. Uh, we're gonna have my people living in the world. They're gonna be ones who chose to follow me and they're gonna be so remarkable. So now we get to the millennium. And in the millennium, we have Jesus physically here on earth, sitting on the throne. Here's why I think God does this. That when we get to heaven and somebody who has just pushed Jesus out of their life, all their lives has said, no, I don't want anything with God, can't say to God, God, if only you would have tried this, if only you would have spoken to your people this way, then people would have listened. And God's gonna say, no, no, no. I tried, I tried my best to rescue every one of my, as best I could. I tried anything you could possibly imagine for people to get this story. And what you need to know is this failure isn't God's failure. It's our failure. It's the failure of men and women to bow the knee and come to God. I don't think Satan getting out is about Satan getting a second chance. I think it's God finishing the conversation that says, I've tried everything to get your attention. Second part of it. Why do the millennial people, why do they rebel? They've been living on earth. It's been utopia. Jesus is, pre why would you follow Satan? Why? Here's my best guess. Because deep within the heart of every human is a part of us that says, I wanna be the boss of me. And I don't care if the boss is good. I don't care if the boss is kind. I don't care if the boss has my best interests. I wanna be the boss of me and decide what's good and decide what's my best interest. This, this is why children rebel against their parents. Why? Because I wanna be the boss of me. See, so this is why an employee uh, working is pretty sure that their supervisor does not have a brain because they wanna be the boss of them, right? And isn't it true that this is why you and I look at scripture and go, I don't like that part. I think I'll just be the boss of me. Think about what the millennial saints lose. They lose the presence of Christ. They lose a utopic world and they end up following the one who's defeated, all trying to be the boss of themselves. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you live a life trying to be the boss of you, it does not end well. There's gotta be at least one person you let be your boss. His name's God. Think about, think about the child who rebels against their parents and those parents saying, you know what I would've done for you? if we hadn't spent the last nine years wrestling each other. I had so many things as a parent I wanted to bless you with. Think about the employer who looks at that really, really sharp employee who has all sorts of ideas, but is too impatient to wait for their turn to use them. And so they finally have to be let go. And even as they walk out the door, the employer goes, man, I had so many plans. If, if you just could have stayed in here and done your time and learned what you needed to learn, you would have had the opportunity to lead. Think about the life. 
live saying to God, I'm going to be the boss of me. And how often God has said, but you know what your family could have been? You know how your kids could have been? Do you know how many blessings you gave away being the boss of you? And guys, here's, here's what you need to know. More often than not, okay, I, I get it. I get there's times when we have to stand and rebel against evil and unjust. But more often than not, submission is the path to blessing. Let me just say this again. More often than not, submission is the path to blessing. And if that bothers you, you're probably missing out. Second big thing that happens, we, there's the millennial reign, but then right after the millennium gets done comes a thing called the white throne judgment. This is the judgment that is gonna take place and literally God is gonna judge nearly every person uh, who's ever lived. So let me give you the guest list for the white throne judgment. So everybody who lived in the Old Testament is gonna be judged at the white throne judgment. Everybody who lived while the church was here but refused to become a Christian is gonna stand at the white throne judgment. Everybody who lived during the tribulation and everybody who lived during the millennium are all gonna be at the white throne judgment. And then scripture describes what that judgment's like. So grab your Bibles again. Still in Revelation uh, chapter 20, starting in verse 11. Here's what it says. Then I saw a great white throne, white throne judgment, and him who was seated on it. And the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The, the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Now, get the scene. Scripture says, really, there's two sets of books. The first book is the book of life. And it's opened up to see if someone's name is in the book of life or not. How do you get your name in the book of life? And the answer is you believe on Jesus. That's how you get your name in the book of life. And right about now, someone says, whoa, 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 Lynn. You said the Old Testament saints were going to be there. They don't know about Jesus. In the Old Testament, they were told that one day, one day God would send a lamb that would pay for their sin. Remember when Jesus is just starting his ministry as he walks up to John the Baptist to be baptized. What does John the Baptist say out loud? Behold, the Lamb of God. And you need to know that Old Testament saints, although they didn't understand or see the cross, knew there was a Messiah who one day would take their sins away and they looked forward to the cross even though they didn't see it clearly. They, they looked forward with belief. All of us since then, we'll just call us New Testament Christians, we're saved the same way we just look back to the cross that we've had the privilege of seeing. But the reality is this, every single person who's ever become a child of God has done that looking to a cross. 
into a savior who would one day die and pay for their sins, who would be the lamb of God on their behalf. That's how you get your name written in the book of life. But then it says, hey, wait, 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 wait. There were people there who didn't have their name in the book of life and they were judged out of the other books. The other books told about everything they've ever done. So think about this moment. Uh, your name's not in the Lamb's book of life. So now God says, hey, uh, we're gonna take your life and put it up on a movie screen. Uh, we're gonna show everything. We're gonna show all the good things you did, but we're gonna show all the bad things. We're gonna show every time you were jealous. We're gonna show every time you were hateful with your words. We're gonna show every lustful thought. It's all gonna go up on the screen. And here's my guess. My guess is that as God shows the documentary of their lives, that most of them say, enough, enough. Let me ask you a question. Why does God do it that way? Why does God show them everything in their lives? People who say, I don't want church, right? I, I, I don't need any of that organized religion stuff and I don't need any Jesus. I, mean, I don't need any of that. I'm okay because I'm a good person. You realize that they watch that screen and they see everything. They will not be convinced of their goodness. Let me see if I can help you understand. I, don't, I think you and I have a hard time because we think, well, you know, if you do five good things and you only did two bad things, then somehow you're more good than you are bad. And so that, that means you're a good person. How many of you drink water? It's okay, you can admit it. it we're all friends here. No, nobody's like water prejudice, right? We, we're, okay, I just want to be sure of that before I start because it would change the illustration. All right, so here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that I offer you a bottle of water. We need to let that settle a little bit. Okay, so, but as you get the bottle of water, you notice that it's kind of cloudy and... Uh, you say, hey, what's going on with the bottle of water? And I tell you that uh, I went out to the park behind my house and uh, I found some dog deposits. And I placed some dog deposits in the water. And you then in that moment seem to be hesitant. And I say to you, wait, 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 wait. Why are you hesitant? And you go, because you've got dog deposits in your water. Now, you're, I just want to say out loud, it's not dog deposits. It's Tootsie Rolls, okay? But you can't think Tootsie Rolls or it ruins my illustration, okay? So for all intents and purposes, it's dog deposits, okay? All right, so I say to you, look, here's, look, 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 you gotta look closely. The dog deposits are mostly on the bottom. The truth is there's, there's what, 85% of that is actually pretty good water. Well, why are you being so picky about your water? You'd say, because that's disgusting. Right, ready for this? So you and I don't understand why good people don't go to heaven until we realize how disgusting our sin is to the heart of God. So you go, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What about this? What, what about somebody who only had like one dog deposit? I mean, so that, that would mean, right? I mean, like 99% of their life was good. Wouldn't that be a good life? If it was truly dog, how many of you would drink it? So why are we asking God to drink our lives? 
if we won't drink the water. Guys, you don't get why good people don't go to heaven until you realize how disgusting sin is. And when you place that in your life, everything gets touched. It's why, you ready for this? It's why every single person has ever gone to heaven, has gone there believing on a cross and believing on a savior who takes brown water and makes it clear. That's how you go to heaven. Which means every one of us who's come to know Jesus as Savior can say, hey, I'm good. I'm not good because I made myself good. I'm good because the Savior took every one of my sins, put it on a cross, and made me pure. It's why God says, and their sin I will remember no more. Saved people go to heaven, not good people. And so at the white throne, God just says, okay, well, let's just see how good good is. And are you ready for this? Not a single good person passes the test. Let's read the rest of the passage. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Which means, it means hell's real. I'm gonna say hell is real. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know there's some of us who go, Lynn, I, I don't like that. I don't like taxes. <laughs> Matter of fact, I so dislike taxes that one time when I was a young man, I decided to ignore them, hoping they would go away. It worked really well until the IRS found me. And then I figured out that not liking something doesn't make it not real. And not liking hell doesn't change whether or not it's true or not. Which leaves us at this moment. Do you know someone who's counting on being good enough to get them to heaven? And if you do, and if you really care about them, shouldn't you have a conversation about how people get to heaven? Next thing that happens. The Bible describes that God now remakes a new heaven and a new earth. It's Revelation chapter 21. It's the very next set of verses. Let me read this to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, 
it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. You realize what that was? That's the final scoreboard. That's God literally saying, I'm taking everything that has ever been wrong and I'm gonna make it right. Every injustice in your life, every harm in your life, I'm gonna set it straight because I now sit on the throne. I'm gonna take everything that was broken and I'm gonna mend it because the old order is gone and behold, all things are made new. Satan is gonna be defeated for the, the final time. Truth and justice will be reigning in our lives. We're gonna have perfect bodies, much like mine. We're gonna, ready for this? We're gonna walk on streets of gold. I heard someone say once, on earth, we walk on people and we cherish gold. In heaven, we'll walk on gold and we'll cherish people. Sin will be done away with. Death will be gone. And guys, you ready? We win. We win, we win, we win. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you. Thank you that through all of time you have chased us. You, you've tried every way possible to get our attention. Thank you for being a God who loves us that much. Thank you that we don't have to try to work our way and be good enough for heaven. We would have never made it. God, thank you for a savior who comes into lives that we've screwed up and messed up and somehow makes that water clean, that we can stand before you righteous, dressed in the robes of Jesus and forgiveness. And God, thank you. Thank you that no matter what pain we go through, no matter what struggle we face, our chins never need to be to the ground. We never need to lose faith in you because you've already told us the final score and we win. We win. Thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, I got news for you. Jesus is coming back. We know that he's 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 coming back.
great weekend and we'll see you next week. There's folks down front that we'd love to pray with you. We'll see you next time.